Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more information, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you all so much. And wow, some of you are thinking, what, what was that? I mean, I new to you, it's okay. I, I just let you in. It's, it's spirit worshiping spirit. In spirit and in truth, that's that connection. It's, it's life touching life. You, you know what I'm saying? And when that happens, man, there's electricity. There's a spark. There's, there's power there. You know, static electricity, you know, when you kind of, winter months are coming and how many of you are looking forward to the winter months and a little bit of cooler weather that, that you're going to have and you get out of your car and you go and shake somebody's hand and bam, it just lights you up. That's kind of what happens when we come together with a heart to honor God, to worship Him, and not go through some dry ritual and, and, and dead religious activity. But no, we bring our life, we bring our heart, we bring our passion, our spirit, our everything. And we say, God, it's yours. And what, what, what happens is, and what's beautiful about that is, the spirit of the living God, God is spirit, right? He meets with us personally and corporately and explodes in that situation in a powerful, life-changing way. So, in a nutshell, that's what happens. <laughs> Don't you love that? Grab your handouts if you would. Uh, hopefully all of you were handed one on the way in. And, and again, on one side are, are just a great list of opportunities for you to get involved. And if you haven't jumped in a connect group, man, you need to do that. You're missing out because life is happening every week. Every weeknight, there's a group going on and through the weekends and different times. So check that out and everything else. And on the other side is a place to take some notes. And would you grab a pen or pencil, something to write with? Prepare to do that. We are uh, we're in the study of 2 Corinthians and actually heading down the home stretch in, in this brief study. But um, I just want to start out by saying this. We do not enjoy pain at all, right? I would, would guess to say, you know, none of us hearing this right now literally actually would say you enjoy pain. At least I hope not if... If so, we need to uh, have some extended sessions with you somewhere along the way. Pain is not fun. It's something that we run from. As a matter of fact, there are multi-billion dollar industries all built around and thriving off of preventing and eradicating pain from our physical bodies as well as our minds and our emotions. Pain is not enjoyable. Bottom line, it, it just doesn't feel good. How many of you have a high threshold of, of pain tolerance in in, in your life. How many of you are like that? I, I, I tend to be, I can push through a lot of things. And how many of you at the least little thing, you're, you're begging for mercy and help? It, you know, some of oh, you're pointing at people. That's real nice. Somebody back here going right, right there. Them, my, my wife, my, uh, you're going to, uh, I guess you're used to the doghouse. That's okay. But as much as we hate pain, oddly enough, it can be very, very helpful to us. It can be a great tool in our lives because pain can tell us that something is not right and it can cause us to investigate what, what that is and how we can fix it physically, emotionally, spiritually. So pain is a tremendous indicator for us. But it's one that, again, we do not enjoy. Most recently, we've had a couple of our folks, uh, part of our church family, suffer through the dreaded kidney stones. Any of you ever experienced that along with, with a couple of others who the last week and a half or a couple of weeks have went through that. And, and this, this last uh, person that, that had them this past week flare up, uh, Pastor Scott and I went, went to see her in the hospital and it was, it was a lady and, and I got to ask the, the age old question, which one 
is, is worse because she is a mother and has had a couple of kids. And I said, is it childbirth or kidney stones? She looked at me and gave the best answer ever. Right now, I'd say kidney stones. Don't you, don't you love that? I mean, pain is just, it's, it's just no fun, but it, it lets us know that something isn't right. And what we're going to pick up at today in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, uh, where we find Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter and many others, and planted all kinds of churches. He is experiencing some pain in his own life that, that he's dealing with. And as he puts it, he calls it this, a thorn in the flesh. Now, anybody ever experienced a splinter in your life? Got a few splinters, and, and how many of you have ever picked up a, a, a rose and, and there was a thorn on the stem that, that got you pretty good? Well, Paul gives that description to what he's dealing with in his life. Now, I just about, I'm very tempted to call this teaching today, Every Rose Has Its Thorn. And I really thought about pulling out a, a wig doing the whole Brett Michaels thing every rose has its thorn oh you want me to sing the rest of it oh no it's about 50-50 honestly if I knew the rest of the lyrics really well I'd give it a shot but we're just gonna we're gonna clamp it off there and say instead I went with living with thorns because I bet you if I ask you this question right now and I'm gonna ask you so here it comes how many of you in this moment, right now at 1040, whatever, would honestly admit that you've got some pain in your life. Yep. Not just physical, like, like we talked about. It could be emotional, it could be some spiritual stuff you're, you're agonizing through. At some point in time or another, we're all going to deal with that. We're all going to walk through painful seasons and times and they may be short, they may be extended. You know, you just never know. And up front on this, for all of you deep thinking Bible theologians, I, I don't want to debate exactly what this thorn was that Paul was referencing, whether it was physical, emotional, spiritual, what type of thorn was it, blah, 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 on and on. We're not going to do that. Because we could debate that from now until Jesus comes back, and I'm just going to tell you up front, we still wouldn't have a solid answer on what it was. I mean, some of these deep thinkers have been going back and forth on this for over 2,000 years now since Paul wrote these words in the letter to, to Corinth, but they still don't know. And, and that's beside the point because rather than wasting time on that, I would rather have us to, number one on your outline, dwell on the why, not the what. You understand what I'm saying? We're not as concerned with what it was that was ailing the good old Apostle Paul right now. But what we want to focus on is why was Paul going through this painful time? Why did he have this thorn in the flesh as he put it? Why? What is the reason behind it? And many of us have asked that question on many occasions. Why is this happening, God? You ever prayed that prayer or cried out or, or been mad and screamed at the God? Why me? Why this? Why now? Why is, is this happening in my life? Let's, let's actually read this portion of Scripture found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. And if you have your Bibles, pull them out. Everybody remember how to do that? And open the pages if you have your, your device, as, as P. Scott calls it. And by the way, man, pray for them. Good things at Kings Mountain happening today. And, and, and if you have your device, you know, turn over there. Or just, just find it somewhere. If not, listen. 
as I read it. We'll have story time. Everybody like story time? Remember that in kindergarten? By the way, I hope everybody had a first week, of, good, good first week of school with your kiddos who started back. And Paul writes these words beginning in verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. And I'm going to explain that in a moment. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times. Now, now, now get this. Three times he asked God that it might depart from him. And God said back to Paul these words. Write this down somewhere on your outline. My grace is sufficient for you. The reason I ask you to write that down is because it's applicable to you today. And me and every day of our lives that we live, God's grace is what? Sufficient for us. And then he goes on and says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul declares, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. And here's the summation statement. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now you may not be used to doing this, but I just want you to do it with me. Throw a flex up in the air like that. Go ahead. Now some of you, you didn't take, hesitate a second. You was like, yeah, baby, I'll show you my guns. When I am weak, then I am strong. That's that upside down kingdom stuff that Pastor Scott and I just always go back and forth about. You got to be weak to be what? Strong. You got to be meek to inherit what? The kingdom. Amen. So this is just some mind boggling stuff. But that's exactly what Paul says. When I am weak, then I am strong. So in this chapter of 2 Corinthians, Paul is at a place where because of some incredible, and I told you I'd back it up a little bit, some incredible encounters with God. He had some amazing visions of, of heaven and what, what that's going to be like and all that. What happens is sometimes though, when you go through some experiences like that, you can be very tempted to get a little puffed up. Whoo, God showed me this. Did he show you? No, nana, nana, boo, boo. I got it. You didn't. You ever met anybody like that? spiritual pride and arrogance is an actual problem that some people have. They just don't seem to handle it well when God shows up and does something amazing for them. So I kind of, this is not kind of, this is exactly what Paul's saying here. That he was having some of those issues. Just like the Pharisees that Jesus confronted. You guys walk around in these long flowing robes. You got phylacteries on your head, on your forehead. You know what a phylactery is? Well, let me give you a little lesson. It is a little box just small and in its in its size it's a kind of a leather thing and it's attached to these straps that you can actually strap that around your head and tie it off and you got this little box on your forehead and what these guys would do would be they would microscribe the law that Moses brought down from the mountain and they would put them on these little bits of paper I mean you couldn't even hardly read this with the natural eye and they would pack all of those into that little phylactery box and tie it on their heads and walk around with it now, they thought they was strutting some stuff. I'm sure everybody else looked at them like, what kind of moron wears a box strapped to their head? But that spiritual arrogance and pride, and that's what kind of Paul is dealing with here. He's saying, God has shown me some incredible things. And not to mention, here's another aspect of, of why Paul was maybe struggling with some pride. Because every church he planted, here's what happened. Satan would send false teachers, prophets, preachers, 
to try to infiltrate God's church. Sound familiar today? <laughs> kind of deal with the same stuff, you know, here some 2,000 plus years later. And so all these, these people would come in and try to pull people away from the true and living God. So there was this spiritual battle going on. And Paul, the, the, the guy who planted these churches and he felt like a father to all these believers. And he loved them with everything he had. He would go around and visit from church to church as, as often as he could because he was wanting to care for the church. And I can tell you, we know all about that. The, the, the pastoral team here, man, we care for you. We, we cry over you. We bleed over you. We, we live. We, we wake up in the mornings and, and, and after spending time with God and just, you know, saying good morning, Lord, and, and, and having that time with him, we, we begin to think, how is everybody? Is everybody okay? What enemy's trying to come in and, and mess with the flock? And so Paul is con consistently battling these false teachers, prophets, and people that are coming in to try to sway God's people away from the truth. And a part of what he has to do when he goes and visits these churches as often as he can. Remember, he, he, he can only travel by horseback, by foot, by boat. It's not like today jumping on a, a jet plane and, and being from one side of the country to the other in, in four and a half, five hours. He goes in and he, he pleads with these people and he says, do you not remember me, Paul? I'm an apostle of God. I, I walked with, with these other disciples. God called me on the Damascus Road and, and he shone this bright light and blinded me and, and he sent someone to come and tell me that, that my eyesight's gonna be restored and I'm gonna work for God. Do you not remember the credentials that I have? He had to rehearse those things over and over and over to the, the churches so they would remember. But you know, sometimes what can happen when we start going over our resumes and who we are and our accomplishments, sometimes we can be tempted to believe our own stuff. Yeah, I am that. Well, look at me. Aren't I somebody? I've been able to accomplish that. I've planted all these churches. Wow. Let me pat myself on the back. I, I deserve that. So you kind of see where Paul would maybe struggle with, with pride in his life. Now, here's what I want to ask. What, what is it with you? It, it may not be pride Maybe some other temptation or sinful activity and stuff that you, you deal with. Well, here's, here's what happens. Number two in your outline is simply enter the thorn. Because again, for thousands of years, it's been debated. What, what was it, an actual thorn that Paul dealt with in his flesh? Was it physical? Was it spiritual, ongoing temptation, battle, something along those lines? Maybe a continuing depression he, he, he fought? And I, I don't know. Again, we're not dwelling on that. And I think that's a good thing because a lot of times in our small-mindedness that we tend to live in, we kind of think, well, if Paul struggled with sexual temptation then that's the thorn that we all need to avoid and everything else must be okay. So I think that it's wise that God did not put in his word to us exactly what struggle it was that Paul had, just that he had a struggle and we need to be careful. Listen, there are numerous things that can trip us up. Have you, have you figured that out by now? <laughs> There's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of, as you were, landmines <laughs> that we've got to be careful of. Pride and arrogance happens to be the, the true original sin. That desire to be self-reliant is a huge part 
of that pride and arrogance as we learn from both Satan himself got kicked out of heaven over it, and Adam and Eve who were led astray by the devil to believe that if they disobeyed God's commands and ate of the fruit in the garden that, that he told them not to eat of, that the Lord did, that they would, as, as Satan promised them, they would become like God, therefore they would be self-sufficient and not need God at all. Here today, people are still buying that lie. And as I said a moment ago, maybe your struggle is not pride, but I know that whatever sin struggle we may have, Please hear this this morning. Nudge your neighbor and say, don't miss this. Tell them, you might need this. And then tell them this, I know I do, <laughs> okay? Whatever sin struggle we may have, understand this, God is willing to allow some thorns to enter into our lives to push us toward him. Whatever it takes to free us of the poisons that can kill us, hear this, God's willing to do it. If he has to let the rug be yanked completely out from underneath you, then so be it. Why? Because our holiness is far more important to him than our happiness. You understand what I'm preaching here this morning, church? God's more concerned about the soul than he is about the outward stuff. So all this stuff that's vying for your life, all these enemy things that are coming at you to sway you to Turn from the truth, as Paul exclaimed over and over in these writings. God is willing to, at whatever cost, get your heart back towards him. Wow. What a God. You say, well, Pastor, I, I don't understand that. I mean, that, you know, God would, you got kids? <laughs> Those precious little things. I mean, look, they're, they're an angel. Well, just let them get a little time under their belts and get a little bigger. And that angel all of a sudden gets a little horns popping up. Sometimes you're like, who are you? Where did you come from? What in God's green earth were you thinking when you did that? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I mean, come on. And don't you, don't you think like I do that God's up in heaven's looking at us thinking the same thing and saying the same stuff so what do we do with our little angels that kind of don't stay angels always at times we have to whoop yank the rug right out from under them a little bit right we have to kind of deal with some stuff we have to kind of allow some pain to enter into the situation for their attention to be whoop brought back to where it needs to be and that's exactly what Paul is laying out here. This is kind of what's going on, folks. I'm, I'm open enough to share with you exactly what the Lord is doing in my life so that hopefully you can learn some lessons and don't have to go through the thorn. But maybe you will. This is kind of the basis of where we find ourselves. And, and believe me right here, I, I want to put this caveat in so it's loud and clear. It's not that God can't heal or don't heal any anymore in this day and time. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not it at all. If you believe that, uh, say amen. Yeah. Amen. I like that. Somebody got excited. That's not it at all. But understand this. Paul needed his thorn to remain so that he could benefit from it. And many times, so do we. See, here's the main point, number three. 
Here's the main point of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the whole 1 through 10 verse passage. And, and also really the main theological point Paul keeps coming back to in, in all of 2 Corinthians. Paul is well pleased with weakness. That's the first part of it. He's well pleased with weakness. Now we fight against weakness. We don't want to look weak. We don't want to seem weak. We don't want to appear weak. We want to always look strong. Always give the impression that we're, we're, we're good. We're, we're strong. We're okay. We don't need anything. We don't need anybody. And that in and of itself is really anti-God, right? That, that makes sense with you like it doesn't matter. Okay, so here's the deal. He's saying weakness is okay. Because weakness is a prerequisite for the display of God's power. God flows through weak vessels. Amen? And I'm telling you, we are jars of clay. And is, is clay really strong and sturdy? Not at all. Not at all. It is, it is a very weak substance at times. Most of the time. So we must become weak as Paul finished up that passage just a moment ago. So that God can display his incredible strength. I love that. That's the, the message here. So as we head down the home stretch. Let me just touch on a couple other things today on your outline. First, let's talk about understanding your thorn. Now, again, a thorn is an enduring source of pain allowed by God for our good. Most trials are, are just for a season, then they, they, they go away, but not, not all of them. God could prevent the effects of sin and sometimes intervene, but normally allows broken creation to happen and inserts himself post-trial and uses it for our good. You know it, I know it, you've lived it. Hopefully, I've lived it. We're not immune. Pastor in a church. Things going great. Your wife leaves you. God, what's up? And I was, been, I was able to share this with somebody yesterday. And that, that went, Amazingly enough, it was at his funeral I was conducting here and, and God moved in a powerful way yesterday in, in that. And, and I was talking to this guy before the, the service and, and I shared with him just a little bit. We'd never met before and he was like, dude, that's exactly what I'm going through. And I said, here's how God brought strength from weakness. He showed up because I was totally helpless and I was in desperate need of his power to come and rescue me from that situation that I was in. So it's amazing how God can show up in the midst of the most painful times of our lives. It's beautiful. It's powerful. We've got to understand those things. Your thorn also, as a side note, just like yesterday, may impact people that you meet and some that you never meet, but get to hear or see what God did in your thorn season. The thorn is there to keep you from getting too puffed up or cocky or, or away from God. And believe me, believe me, understand this. Write this down. It's gonna hurt a lot. But you will be changed by it in ways you, you, you couldn't be without it. Would you write down, there's gonna be pain? But how many of you remember the old 80s expression, you know, that, that caught fire and, no pain, no gain, baby. Woohoo! Get in the gym and pump them reps and 
hit it hard and work and give it and go. And when you, when you put in the time and, and you pay the price and, and you hurt for it, then you're going to see the results. Well, this is kind of different, but you know, same kind of concept. Comfort never fosters change. It just doesn't. God's going to use it. It's going to hurt. But we're going to be changed. Paul said there was a messenger of Satan that, that came and brought this to me. So we don't know what the thorn was, again, as we've discussed, or how long it lasted because God didn't want us to really know that, but that's okay. Please understand the difference here. Satan's goal is to harass and torment us. God's goal is if he didn't plan it, plan to use it for our good, he would have never Job. Boy, that guy went through some stuff. God allowed it, but he brought some lessons and some blessings and other good things from it. Listen, church, we've got to understand this. God guides the events for his purposes, is what Paul declares in verse 8. It's all for his purpose. It may give me bumps and bruises and it will be painful, but understand this. Spiritually, it'll be super, super healthy if we embrace the lessons and apply them to our lives. So if you truly have a thorn right now, I want, I want you to ask yourself this. How am I going to let my thorn affect me? Because that can go in a, in a couple of different ways. You could say, I'm going to let it take me over and daily frustrate and annoy me. I'm going to let, you know, all this junk just kind of accumulate and be bitter and angry about it and all that. And I'm going to just spew and just, just be this toxic person. Or... I'm going to come to the place where I decide that I'm going to allow God to use this. And here's my criteria always on stuff. For his glory and my good. Would you write that down? His glory, my good. Because I'm going to tell you something. Those two go hand in hand. His glory and my good. He has good things planned for me. He loves me. I'm his child. I'm a, I'm a son of the most high God and he loves me with an everlasting love. He will never leave me, forsake me. I am in the palm of his hand. Man, my picture is on the, the refrigerator in heaven and he says, look at my boy. Oh, don't feel bad. Yours is right there with him. If you, you know, you know it's, it's maybe underneath. I'm just kidding. We know Pastor Scott's is at the top and, and mine might be down a little lower. I think yours might be above mine, but it's okay. We're on the fridge, right, baby? Turn and tell somebody. Are you on the fridge? And then turn back and tell them, if not, you better get on the fridge. Because that's the fridge you don't want to miss out on. I love that. God's glory, my good. How is your thorn affecting you? Let's talk just a moment about living with your thorn. Because God tells us what he, what he told Paul. And I, I don't, write this down. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. And in the Greek, it was more like this. Sufficient for you is the grace of me. <laughs> You're like, what was that? Okay, I'll read it again. Sufficient for you is the grace of me. I am yours I am your strength, I am your foundation, I am your grace, I am your goodness, I am your holiness, I am your peace, I am your strength, I am your salvation, I am your strong tower, I am your grace. Amen. How awesome is that, church? That's what God promises. Listen, your thorn will crush you and make you bitter without God's wonderful grace. 
Grace is a package. All blessings come in. Grace is the capacity to do anything spiritually profitable. And that's why Paul made that declaration. Your grace is sufficient, God. I asked you three times to take this away. And every time you said, no, nada, not going to do it. And I've come to the place that in my heart of hearts, I know without a doubt. If you let it remain, if that's your plan, you'll get me through it. Your grace is sufficient for me. Would you just close your eyes right now? And if you feel comfortable about saying that in an audible way, then, then say it. If not, whisper it. If not, think it. This is what I want you to, to proclaim in your life. God, your grace is sufficient for me. Your turn. Go ahead. Boy, that's a great sound. Would you say that one more time now? Sufficient for me. Amen. Your grace is sufficient. Hold on just a second. Thank you, Joseph. I was just taking a time out there. He was ready to go. I love it, man. He's on it. Or maybe he's trying to cut me off and say, you've had enough. It's time to go eat. I don't know. But, you know, your grace is sufficient for me. How powerful that is. And lastly, please understand this. Our thorns are for a deeper understanding of total dependence on God. You know, at times I... I think I know some stuff about God. And at other times I realize how much I, I truly don't know. You, you ever been there? Some days you think, man, I've, I'm getting this. I'm getting pretty good at this. And then some days, sometimes some hours after you think that, sometimes 30 minutes after you've thought that, you think, wow, man, I got a lot to learn. But here is a beautiful lesson about thorns. We want to understand much, much deeper. See, some of us are at a surface level. Some of you may have scratched into the surface a little bit. You went down a, a few inches, maybe a, maybe a foot. But, but, but God is pushing us deeper. I just, want to, I just want to say this right now. For those of you that kind of just are casual about God and church and Christianity and stuff, you're either gonna you're either gonna change that here soon, or you're gonna be left in the wake. Because the Lord, by His Holy Spirit, is pushing Connections Church to this place that you haven't been before. And I don't think I've been before. And I'm gonna tell you something: prayer is gonna be the avenue in which we travel down that path. Prayer is going to push this. God is doing something in the arena of prayer. Because you know what? We've talked a good game about it. We've kind of played around with it. Boy, when we're in a crisis, we might say a little prayer here or there. We might bless our food. Sometimes maybe you don't. That's your call. If you want to choke to death, that's up to you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just a joke. Man, I had a guy at my previous church. I was brand new to the church. And they invited us over to lunch. And... And man, we all fixed our plates, and I was new in the ministry, you know. I was like, yeah, bless God, they're going to ask me to pray, and I'm going to get to bless this meal and this family. And they just started fixing plates, sat around the table, and started eating. I was like, what? 
I was like, Keith, bro, what's up with this? We didn't pray over a meal. This is the greatest answer I've heard. He said, well, pastor, when we buy our groceries, we bring them all home, put them on the counter. We just pray over all of it right there. (laughs) Some people, I I don't know. The jury's still out on that. It's been 30 years later. I'm still, anyway. Guys, I'm telling you though. Time is ticking. Jesus is coming back. And it's time we get this. It's time we quit messing with the surface and go deep. So that God can birth in us. Mold us and make us into the beautiful bride that he is coming back for. And so that we can get the message out to as many lost and hopeless people as we possibly can. This, these pains, these thorns that we experience are going to push us to a deeper understanding of getting to the place in our lives, look at me church, where we just totally depend on God. Where the the natural response whenever something happens is God's got me. Whenever the the roof seems to to cave in on you, you just look up and say, thank you, Lord, you've got me. Whenever everybody walks out on you because you've took a stand for the glory of God, you look at him and smile and say, you haven't left me, and I know you never will. That place where we get to, that God would love for us to get to, he's calling us and beckoning us there that, that we don't grumble, we don't complain. We just look up with a big smile on our face and say, I know my God has got me because my life completely, I've burned all the boats. I'm not looking for any other way to go back to the bondage of Egypt. I know God has me and he is going to take care of me completely and totally without a shadow of a doubt. That's where, that's where the Holy Spirit is calling us to reside in that zip code. And some of you need to move. Some of us need to move. We need to pack our stuff up or get rid of our stuff and move to that place. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me right now? Folks, I can't, I can't express to you enough what God's wanting to do in our lives and how sometimes he uses, he uses thorns. He, he wants it to be all him and not us in our own strength and power. How many of you remember with your eyes closed and heads bowed for just a moment the story of Gideon that God called this weak man to lead. This weak man to rise up and lead a revolt to destroy the enemies of Israel to, to put together this army and, and he whittled down this army that, that had amassed of thousands and thousands of soldiers and men who rallied around Gideon to the point that he got down to 300 men going up against enemies of, of, of tens of thousands and the reason why is because God said I don't want it said I don't want anyone having the inkling of a thought that this was a man thing 
but understanding when I give you victory that this is a total God thing. God wants to empty us of ourselves so that he can fill us completely, church. He wants every bit of us. He doesn't want pride or arrogance or addiction or lust or lying or gossip or any of that poison of this world to take up one inch of our lives. What about it this morning? What about your life? Where are you right now? Is it about half and half the equation that it's half God, half you, you're still calling some shots on some stuff, you're still holding on to some, some junk and, and thinking it's treasure or, 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 or have you emptied yourself completely and said, God, you come and take all of me. Whatever you need to use, Lord, whatever mode or method, if you need to use pain, if I, if I need that thorn, God, whatever it takes, you come and push me towards you and your holiness. If you're in this room right now and you say, Pastor, you know what? I, I need to make some moves. I, I need to, to get in that zip code where God resides and, and empty myself of me. I need him to come and, and, and cleanse me and remove that stuff, that self stuff. Would you just walk up here and stand with me right now if that's you? All across this room, if that's you, if you say, you know what? It's my day, it's my time. God is speaking to me right now. Would you just make that move right now? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Some of you are battling some painful situations. There's been some thorns that you didn't even realize what they were. You didn't realize their purpose. You didn't even understand the whole, whole scheme of things. But now it's, it's, been, it's been clarified for you. It's been, been kind of opened up to your understanding and you're embracing that right now and you're actually gonna use that as a, as a testimony of God's glory. Would you, would you just make your way down with these folks right now and come down and, and confirm that in your heart and your life that, that God is using a, a painful season right now in you to, to bring about some change, to push you closer to him. Maybe you're in this room, you say, you know what? I, I'm not even walking with Christ right now in my life. I've known about him. I've grown up in church or whatever. I, I don't know. Maybe you've never darkened the door of a church, but right now, Jesus Christ is calling you to pick up your cross, come and follow him. And one more thing I'm gonna ask right now as these are coming and you're coming is this. If you're in this room and you say, you know what, pastor, I'm in. I am in. I'm not talking about the, the capital campaign, the building fund that's coming. That, and through prayer, and, and I'm in all the way, and I'm ready to get down to business. And I, I sense the Holy Spirit calling us as a, as a church family to rise up and lead the way for a, a, a modern-day revival. That's going to impact many for the kingdom. Would you just come down and join us at the front of this church right now as well? find a place to pray around this altar to stand with your brothers and sisters up here whatever it is you feel led to do to come down and respond and say yes, 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 count me in count me in, I'm in, I'm here I am, I am with you I know, I sense it in my spirit too something's been brewing for a while I just felt these rumblings deep inside of who I am we're on the launching pad and it's about to take off 
And believe me, we're going to have some seasons and some times and some plans, times where we just come and, and we don't do anything else but we just fall on our faces, cry out to God and pray and intercede. And God's raising up some intercessors in this season. Would you come now and join all of these that are in front of this church? Would you guys just put your arms around each other, shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand, arm in arm, some kind of physical contact to signify the unity that God is birthing in this family of believers. Father, we thank you for all you're doing right now. Lord, there are some that have responded this morning and said, you know what? I got some self stuff still in me that I've tried to hold on to, but this morning I surrender fully and completely. I give it up and I say, Jesus, you come and reside in every square inch of who I am. Jesus, you come and fill me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Don't let anything of myself remain, God. Purge me and cleanse me by the power of the Holy Spirit right now. And God, there's some in this room that said, you know what? You know what? I feel like God is calling me to pick up my cross and follow him. I, I haven't known him, served him, loved him, uh, pledged my allegiance to him, given him my life, experienced his great salvation. Lord, right now, as they confess their sins and cry out to you for cleaning and holiness and, and, and newness of life and, and a new birth, God, you come and do that in and through them in this moment, God. God, for those who say, you know what? I, I'm in. I I sense the fire of the Holy Spirit. I sense the power of His glory coming and calling me to deep. And God, I, I'm going to get away from the surface stuff and I'm going to grow and I'm going to seek you with all my heart so that I may find you as your word promises. And right now, God, I commit myself to daily praying for a move of God at Connections Church. Would you just establish that right now? Let's just commit ourselves daily to, to begin with every day. When we get up in the morning, whatever time that is for you, we're not going to set a set time. But as soon as you get up and you greet the Lord in your personal way, would you just spend a minute or two crying out, God, show up at Connections Church. Show up through Connections Church as we go out as missionaries each and every day of our lives, God. Do great things, Lord. Bring lost people home and, and set people free who are bound up in the stuff of this world. Bring healing and wholeness, Holy Spirit, to the lives of, of individuals and families and, and men and women and, and young people and children who have been hurt and wounded who desperately need you, Jesus. Would you just spend a couple of moments each day? And I believe that's going to be the beginnings of this prayer movement, of this revival, of this, this move of the Holy Spirit. God, we are desperate for you. We need you. We love you. And Lord, you come and do that mighty work in us and through us as we continue this, this time of prayer. I want to ask everyone across this room, stand up. And as you stand up, I'm going to ask our worship team to lead us right now into the presence of God. You don't have to move away from this altar. As a matter of fact, the Lord may lay on your heart to go pray with somebody that's down here. Pray one for another to, to just love on them and stand with them right now. Would you just do that as we begin to worship in song one more time this morning. Would you just begin to, to respond in those ways? Thank you, Lord. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more information, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.